Hello, thanks for joining Your Body Advocate podcast. I am Ruth Cummings, your host, and today I am interviewing my friend Stuart Vickers. We're going to be talking about the magic of SEO. Let's take a deep breath to relax. Ready? All right, here we go. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language and together let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Stuart, how are you? How are you today? You're in London, is that correct? Absolutely. Good, thank you. <laughs> so, um, and what time is it there? We're doing this uh, 1 o'clock my time, and so it's yeah. 8 o'clock your time? Just gone 8 p.m., yep. Oh, that's amazing. Well, um, I've always been fascinated with SEO, and um, I know what that means, but I also wanted to uh, let our audience know just in case they don't. So, so first of all, what is SEO? So it's basically, well, it stands for search engine optimization. Uh, fundamentally, it's about getting traffic from Google. Now, most people will apply that retrospectively, that they'll have a business or a blog and they'll build this website uh, and actually expect to get traffic from Google over time. Now, when you first start out, there are various tools out there you know, within most website builders that talk about this, as in it's some sort of magic fairy dust you can then apply to the website. Uh, in reality, if you're not writing about what people are searching for, then you're not going to get any traffic. And so it was a big game changer for me when I realized if you can just find out what people are already searching for and just write that, then you're actually going to get a lot more results. Whereas I think most of us come to this perspective of blogging where we're talking about the day we're having or what the weather's like. Uh, and it's just chat, which is great if you've already got an audience, but no one's actually going to be looking for you uh, based on those kinds of topics. So search engine optimization fundamentally comes down to uh, addressing, finding out what those search queries actually are, and then writing the kind of content that's actually going to rank for those searches on most search engines. Uh, in theory, that could be all search engines, even uh, something like Amazon is a search engine, so you can optimize your product listings like that. Um, but in reality, Google completely dominates the, at least at the time we're talking, Google has something like a 90, 95% market share. Um, so fundamentally, SEO, in most cases, is all about Google, uh, which uses a secret algorithm in terms of how it ranks content. But over the years, people have put a lot of work into trying to reverse engineer that to work out what works. Uh, and the fundamentals are really quite simple. So it's basically writing the content uh, to be as good and comprehensive as it can be to answer a particular question. And then you're looking at basically trying to get recommendations from other websites so that you basically get voted up higher up on the Google search results. So when you're talking about um, the, is that backlinks? Is that what that means? Is getting people to look at you too? That's a backlink. Is that correct? Exactly. So um, as SEO professionals, we talk about backlinks all the time. Um, but most people don't, that's jargon. They don't quite understand what that means. Um, so the best way to think of it uh, is, basically votes of confidence from other websites. So this is how Google started 20 years ago, trying to work out if there's all this content, both targeting, all targeting the same topic, then how do they decide which one should go higher? And so they actually took the methodology from academic publishing, where the more times you get referenced and cited, then the better, basically. So in the beginning, uh, it's very much a case of a link was a link. And so all these SEO professionals who able to work this out, then came up with all these ways of exploiting loopholes in the system, basically using software to create uh, thousands of backlinks. So even today, if you own a blog, then you'll know that you're constantly getting all these uh, spam comments, things like that. And it's all these old methodologies for trying to manipulate the algorithm like that. But fundamentally, it still comes down to if your website gets featured in a major publication, major news site, then that's a pretty good sign of confidence to Google. So that is a good quality backlink. 
Yeah, I've been studying backlinks for a little while and and just SEO in general. And um, I, I just find it uh, fascinating. And it's but it is quite complicated. I mean, it feels simple. And then I try to do it and then I fail. And um, on some of the sites I've made, I've done really well. But it is I feel like I'm um, shooting in a barrel. Uh, some, I'm sorry, not shooting in a barrel, the opposite of shooting in a barrel. Like it's very difficult. I remember years ago, um, sports massage, it shouldn't say sports massage. When I, when I looked at a trend, it was deep tissue. So I changed everything on my website to say deep tissue. And then all of a sudden it ranked and Mm. I, I was like, wow, it's, you know, it worked. And, um, it was really interesting to, uh, to recognize that that's, it's really important and it, and it's a machine and it's, it's doing that and it's um, counting. But then everybody would stuff everything. Remember, would say sports massage, deep tissue, deep tissue. And then I did deep tissue f- to remember. And there would be more and more of those, um, you know, stuffing the words, keyword stuffing that um, I don't think is uh, helpful now. I think probably even dings against you. Is that true? Uh, they said the answer to all SEO queries is it depends. Um, what you were saying about the the relevance aspect is really uh, really quite important actually. So uh, when I was still learning, I was working for an insurance company. So obviously we were just trying to sell home insurance, but you're not going to rank for home insurance. Uh, but over time, we actually dug down into the product and the tools out there that tells you what people are actually searching on Google. I found all these little niches of different types. Uh, those were sub niches of home insurance. And there might only be 100, 200 searches per month for some of these. But if it's a decent policy at the end of it, obviously, it's a high ticket product. So we don't care much better to sell those. Uh, so it's exactly the, as you say, with the deep tissue massage, uh, that you've got this sort of broad match of home insurance. We're not going to compete on that. But as soon as we dug down into these little sub niches, so insurance for a certain type of property, then we'd be number one for that, and the big players wouldn't be competing there. Um, but yeah, getting back to your point about in terms of the keyword stuffing, uh, yeah, there are all sorts of um, a lot of the old tricks which people say don't work anymore. A lot of people are still testing them out and often get mixed results, sometimes positive. Um, so I always say, don't be uh, you don't want to be ignorant of any of these little hacks you hear about because um, quite often. You know, you get people with an agenda saying there's only one correct way to do SEO. In reality, what you'll find is we're still all dealing with this unknown algorithm. So those who win tend to be the ones who do the most experimentation and testing, which fundamentally comes down to uh, being open to all the old techniques. So to actually answer your question, there are now a whole range of what are called correlational tools, where basically if you take your search term, deep tissue massage, and um, this will then scrape the search results for that particular query in that location uh, and it'll look at your top 10 competitors and it'll come up with the word count and all the different words that have used not one keyword but multiple keywords and how many times to use each one so that way you basically come up with this perfect recipe uh, based on what's already working for your competitors the only issue with that is of course uh, it's a snapshot of what's working right now and with all SEO, you have this issue where what's working right now might not be what's working in two years' time. Um, so yeah, for the time being, I definitely say keywords uh, are still really important. Google's saying what Google says and what it actually does are often very different. And they're always talking about they want to move away from uh, you know, the pure, um, pure keyword-based searches to more entity-based semantic searches where supposedly it understands the underlying meaning of the words. Uh, in reality, it's still a machine. And it's a machine that's having to deal with a huge amount of content. So in reality, if you've got one listing uh, that matches the actual search term perfectly and uses the same keyword throughout, and another one which has the same meaning but uses a different thesaurus terminology for that particular topic, then you're probably going to find the more relevant one uh, is at the top because it's a machine that's yes, no, yes, no. So if it's a perfect match, that's going to get the benefit. I mean, a flowchart is a flowchart, right? I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Like the machine can only go so far. I know the the, the conversation of AI is, a, you know, a totally different conversation, but it is getting closer. But it's still you can't tell in, with a lot of search terms what people are actually searching for. If they want an apple pie recipe 
apple pie places to eat, you know, so like there's different ways that I think they miss, uh, of course, uh, 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 right now, at least, um, still the machine is going to miss what humans feel. And so yeah, that, yeah, I, that is really fascinating uh, and very entertaining. Um, it's a bit like with ChatGPT. Uh, I've spoken to a few sort of AI experts on what they think is happening. And the best explanation I heard was uh, it is just a more advanced version of predictive text on your phone. It does not understand the underlying meaning of what it's saying. It's simply good at generating text based on what it's seen and observed before. And um, so it's just about sequencing of words, basically. Yeah. I agree. And it's it's interesting because we there is so much predictability with the texting that it can look at so many, so many different um, ways of talking to ourselves with, without what I what I mean ourselves like human to human. But I always wonder about, you know, you look at look back at like movies like Terminator <laughs> and um, how intense this is going to get in the next uh, decade. Look how far the Internet has gotten in 20 years. I mean, I remember sitting in my massage office with just a phone waiting. There weren't even any cell phones, so we couldn't even leave the office. <laughs> and that's a different world than it is today. And it's um, it is really interesting. I wanted to, so what got you into SEO? What what started this whole process for you? It was basically by accident. So I'd always wanted to be, um, I guess, some sort of um, decadent poet, writer, artist type personality. Um, so I always liked the idea of yeah, being an author, being a writer, just like many young people do grow up that way. And I was studying history of art in London. And at the time, I just needed a job of some sort. Uh, history of art was really not very demanding in terms of contact time. Uh, the medics were in every day of the week. I was in, I think, one, maybe two days a week, uh, and only for a couple of hours, if that. But I was absolutely loving London. So it's a sense of I've got a lot of time to utilize here, uh, but no budget. So if I could just reassess that a bit, have slightly less time and a bit more budget, then I could make the most of my time in London. And I actually got a job. Uh, writing, I found a job board that's specifically for creative jobs. And there's a men's accessories brand looking for a menswear blogger. Um, and for years, I've been basically obsessed with menswear. I was really into the vintage scene, Victoriana, um, had quite an encyclopedic knowledge of the sort of history of menswear and what went into the modern suit. Uh, so it's absolutely perfect job for me. Very poorly paid, but I could literally sit in the university library do a bit of my academic work and then immediately switch over to doing a blog for uh, this company. And they basically explained to me that uh, by writing in a certain way and literally just including these keywords, bear in mind this is quite a few years ago now. So going back to your point about keyword stuffing, there wasn't any of these correlational tools. It was just, can you use this keyword five times? Uh, and it should be a thousand words long or whatever. Um, so that's when it really struck me that actually I thought that writing was this uh, fading field, uh, this art where uh, you'd struggle to monetize and make a career out of it, and then found there's this whole field of digital marketing that totally relied on it, um, at least at the time. Now with ChatGPT, it's, yeah, interesting, quite dark to think about that now. Um, but there weren't, uh, it was a particularly demanding job. And I then joined an online magazine startup, uh, but they were struggling to monetize and eventually they pivoted into what's called affiliate marketing where you basically promote products and get a commission if they sell. Bear in mind it's digital, so everything's trackable. Um, so you see these on the internet all the time, top 10 leather jackets, things like that. And it's all these people who are out to get these commissions. Um, now I struggled to see how, uh, again, that point about going niche, going deep versus going wide, I struggled to see how this little startup could possibly compete on top 10 leather jackets. So going back to my interest in uh, historical clothing and subgenres like goth and metal and cosplay, I thought, I wonder if I could pivot that model to my own website. So I tried doing that. So instead of doing top 10 leather jackets, uh, it was a lot more niche. Um, and like I said, I had this awareness of SEO but I wasn't exactly sure how it worked. I was still doing what we did at the magazine, which was, uh, this was the, the era of basically BuzzFeed clickbait. Um, 
So write what you think is an interesting topic, give it a suitably engaging headline, throw it on Facebook, post it in all the Facebook groups, and then get traffic that way, uh, which does get really good traffic. I had one post uh, really go viral, got something like 10,000 views within two or three days. Um, but it just burns out uh, until about six months later, I noticed there were certain articles that were continuing to get traffic over time. And this when Fortnite really took off. So I think I did an article on Fortnite cosplay ideas and somehow down the line that ranked really nicely and ended up getting all these people buying these Fortnite cosplay products. And so that was the real game changer when I'd seen I'd been grinding away trying to write these short form articles, post them on Facebook and then get nowhere versus one single article that ultimately ranks on Google. Uh, for a commercially inclined search term, people were re ready to buy. Um, and that massively outperforms. Uh, it's a true Pareto principle thing there where it's very little work for a lot of long-term gain. Um, so I kept trying to make that website work. And then I found out there's a whole community of people out there building these kinds of websites. So I then started another one all about traditional shaving uh, with a bit of an eco-friendly emphasis and um, so i was trying to rank for best shaving brushes and best safety razors and um, basically a whole niche of wet shaving but you'll notice that every single article was a either a product review or a best x type uh, article but that's because 2,000 people a month were searching for best shaving brush and at one point i think i ranked at number two for it and um, so that's where that was a real learning curve i was still working at the insurance company but at the same time, I was building the shaving blog on the side. And the two cross-pollinated very nicely, where you've got this big insurance company struggling to sell home insurance, but then I'm saying I'm selling however many hundreds of shaving brushes a month through, and this is part of the battle with SEO, that people, they just see blogging, like I said earlier, that blogging is just writing about your day or how the weather is. And it's this very uh, sort of soft subject that looks good for the brand, but doesn't actually have much to do with sales um but once you see that connection between simply serving and connecting with people who are already looking for your product then it makes sense so we tried some experiments uh, with the insurance company and like i say it took off um so both professionally and personally with my side hustle uh those are two uh, very big seo wins wow so i I can so my my husband is in life insurance and so I totally get like that people do not look for home insurance like it is not that word and it's funny that I mean you're saying about the shaving I mean it's a big thing I don't think there's enough uh, attention to men's uh like their just their looks the way there is for women my gosh there's just it's just you know oodles and oodles but I think it's a great niche that you found. I think it's really needed still. And I just have to point out that my son is also really into into the same types of clothes that you are. And he just cut off this much hair to give it to a place that makes wigs for little kids. I, yeah, very, very proud of him. And then he also loves Fortnite. Same with that same time. And he was, um, I think he was 12 years old. He started a YouTube channel about something uh it was a star wars it was a star wars game and he got um he made it two thousand dollars at one penny a um a view <laughs> and i was so shocked of like what <laughs> and it came through my my account of course because he was like 12 or something and um but just uh it's interesting when you find that little that little word that people are searching for, like you said, with Fortnite, just like it, it explodes. And all of a sudden you're like, OK, wait, I can figure this out. Um, and as I say, it's often a complete accident. I feel like I've certainly tried hard sort of manufacturing niches, basically. Once I'd, I'd done this in the past, I then thought, right, how can I scale this? How can I automate it? And you can be quite cynical about it. You could say I've lost that personal touch. And I've got friends in the industry who are exactly the same. But meanwhile, you just hear this one anecdote from you know, some hobbyist who decides to just blog about their hobby. 
Uh, you think, oh, that's cute. What's the traffic are you getting? What, you know, how much money are you making? But ah, you are making significantly more than I am uh, with a lot more traffic. Yeah, I guess I guess I believe I agree with you that it feels um, it doesn't feel like you can, or else everybody would be doing it. Like if you, I feel like I can choose the word if I if I study enough, if I study hard enough, if I study SEO hard enough, I'm going to know what to choose. And it's only the ones that like the blog posts that are that are that seem so insignificant to me that like throw that that blow up and I'm like oh. acne was one of the ones that we did. I'm like what and you know all these other uh we had family you know family love and family different types of trips we've done and and the one that was uh very you know it is a, a huge issue with teenagers is acne and it was really interesting it was like a side uh it was very small but i mean is there you're so good at it how um what is the method you're using it's called the power level method and that's what your book's about right yeah so the power level method is basically the framework i've created for coaches um on the basis that ever since i started my agency um i was traveling to lots of masterminds conferences uh, and they joke about everyone being a coach these days and it does seem like pretty much everyone is a coach um but who can blame them when we've got this um yeah it's this information economy basically where uh, more and more jobs are being automated therefore everyone's got got to grow up a level become a strategist and why not when you can serve you know, across the whole world rather than yeah most people still have this idea that you've got to work for your local firm down the road live near the office and go in every day um when actually, yeah, the coaching methodology is fantastic in that you just take this, um, yeah, your own unique spin, your own unique framework, uh, and apply it, and then you can scale that across the globe um, and help thousands of people uh, without necessarily having to leave home. So, yeah, I met a huge number of coaches when I first started the agency, and I was coming from my perspective as an SEO, uh, talking to public speaking coach that's a great example actually um i meet this real mix of different industries different um specialisms and each of them it would come as a a bit of a challenge but i always say that every every niche basically has an opportunity in seo you've got access to these keyword tools that tell you what people are googling all around the world so it doesn't matter how niche someone is there's going to be some sort of angle there uh, and often it's really quite surprising so i've met like I say, public speaking coach, there are 600 searches per month in the US for public speaking coach. And now she's offering these programs at $10,000, $20,000. I'm saying, why are you not showing up for public speaking coach? And I have a look at the website. Obviously, the website looks great, but it's, those, uh, it's not from an SEO perspective. It was from a brand perspective. So it's got her name, it's got lots of images, but it doesn't have lots of text saying, I'm a public speaking coach, buy my public speaking coaching. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the further I went down this rabbit hole, the more opportunities I saw. Um, I met someone who was a uh, intuitive life coach, and I had a look, and there were search terms out there. Again, 250 searches a month, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I've yet to, so far, I've seen a lot of coaches who have got these uh, really high-value, high-ticket products uh, that are really appreciated by their audience, and yet they are not marketing them effectively through SEO as far as I can see. They rely on basically the social media grind of building. Everyone needs to build a brand and build a personality, but they all talk about the frustration of having to constantly post on social media or rely on referrals, which is this whole art of pitching other people in your industry and trying to get on their email list. Um, Whereas what I could see from my perspective, certainly having been trying to sell home insurance in the past, then seeing uh, some of these coaching terms, <clears throat> I could quite happily sell plenty of $10,000 public speaking coaching programs, given the level of competition I saw for that search term. Uh, far easier than a lot of niches out there that most of us are competing for. So, yeah, I was basically trying to think um, the way to do SEO for coaches is very slightly different to how I would do it normally. <clears throat> Because with the, like I say, with an affiliate approach, um, where you're basically trying to build like a media brand, the shaving size is a perfect example of that. 
Uh, you want to try and cover every single product in the industry, basically. And Google rewards what, call, what it calls topical authority. Uh, and that's quite simple in that if you've got uh, two websites competing for the same search and one has 10 pages on the subject and one has 1,000 pages on the subject, then obviously the 1,000 page is showing more expertise. So that gets the benefit. Uh, the interesting thing about, so it's always a volume game and there's certain and there's always this debate in SEO whether content or backlinks is more important. If you've got this set budget, how should you divide it? And there are some people who are absolutely convinced that you should put all your budget on content and just ignore the links. Now, that's the approach I took for a long time because I was taking this wide rather than deep methodology. It was only when I started link building, because it's quite technical, quite difficult, that I realized just how powerful it was. And I realized that for all the efforts of trying to get 100, 500 pages to rank, wouldn't you rather if just the five most profitable ones actually ranked? In which case, you still need to do enough to get that topical authority. But once you've got that, make sure you put as much power as you can into your most profitable ones um, to push them higher up and get the ROI. So how does this apply to coaches? Someone who's a public speaking coach, an intuitive life coach, one of these niches I've mentioned, there aren't really 500, 1,000 topics out there to actually write about. <clears throat> you want, um, you've got what we call the, the bottom of the funnel content, the sort of commercial intent search terms that people are making who are already looking to buy from you. So if I'm searching for a public speaking coach, if I find a public speaking coach, there's a good chance I'm going to buy. And then you go slightly higher up in the funnel, and then you've got the more what we call info searches. Uh, so that's things like how can I be more confident about speaking on stage? How can I find speaking gigs? Um, so generally, I'd say most coaches don't actually have that much content they really need to write. <coughs> it's probably perhaps five or so commercial search terms. Obviously, there's different ways of um, basically summarizing what a particular coach is. He might be an intuitive coach, might be a life coach or a confidence coach. Uh, so you want to target each of those. And then you want to pad that out with some of this info content, which tends to be lower competition and higher volume and gives you that topical authority, that sense of expertise. But once you've got that, there's probably about 50 pages in total. And then you just want to get as much power as you can into the site from links. So you can basically do that with a mix of PR, outreach, press releases. And, and this is why I call it the power lever method. It's basically rather than uh, this sort of constant grind, whether it's uh, little blog posts that people aren't actually searching for, but look good on your website or posting on social media, relying on referrals, churning out your email list. If you can just get the, a couple of these pages and that instantly connect with the people who are already looking to buy from you and then hit them with links so that Google actually ranks them top, then that public speaking coach can unlock that potential traffic of 600 people per month. Now, of course, most of those aren't going to buy, but it's generally shown that SEO actually converts the best because no one likes the ads at the top. They're never that relevant, whereas the top organic results tend to be really relevant. Um, so it's not unusual for uh, an SEO landing page to convert at 20 30%. That's amazing. I didn't know it was that high. You know, and for me personally, I always go past the ads. When I'm, <laughs> if I search for something, I go past all where it says add and I go for the first organic, first 10. Sometimes I even, you know, the dead space, go to the next page to see what's on that next page ranking. But um, I didn't realize it was that high. It would be 20, 30%, but it really makes sense to me. If I'm searching for something like that, then, and um, I find something that matches what I feel I put out there, um, then I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued. So if if they then continue to match my emotional desires, you know, if I want to, if I want to, especially in coaching, like if I really want confidence or if I really want to find someone who can help me with business strategy or different types of entrepreneurial issues, then I will follow that a hundred percent. So that's interesting. How much is the emotional, I don't know, the, the emotional pull of people how does that how does that play into SEO? I mean, can you predict that or is that like because that's what I work with is like just the emotional body and, and how we hold things in our body. Like how if, if I know what my client 
how they might feel in their body. Can I use different words, do you think, to draw that certain person towards me? Do you think I could use that as an SEO tool? Yeah, I always say that there's um, Alex Amazi talks about um, selling people what they need so you can then provide them with, oh no, other way around, it's sell them what they want so you can then provide them with what they need. Um, So yeah, I've actually got a spirituality website and um, yeah, so you get this huge mix of, uh, again, it's not really my field, but I've got um, basically recruited writers who are experts in those fields. And I think fundamentally it always comes down to uh, what is this person searching for? But not in the simple sense. We can see exactly what they're putting into Google, what they're actually looking for, what they actually want and need uh, is another matter. And if you, can un- if you can unlock that, then that's huge, both in terms of how you can help them and how you can potentially monetize uh, that. So, how do you get good at that? I mean, because you obviously are good at it, and you might not even know that you're being good at like figuring out people's emotions. I think because it's like we really, it's not just the words that people are searching for, but the meaning and emotion behind it. Is that how? What do you think about that? Yeah, to your point about how you can type the same thing into Google, uh, but have very different meanings, and then Google's you know struggling to work out um, you know, which of those options you're actually looking for. Um, so it's actually, especially when you're building a team, it's quite difficult to outsource that bit when, um, again, you can you can see the words on the screen, but the underlying meaning might be slightly different. Um, so going back to the point about skipping past ads, you've got to remember that Google, this is our whole business model. Uh, they do say Google is a user experience company, not an advertising company. Obviously, drives billions in revenue through those ads. Uh, but only does that because of that massive market share. And it's got there to maintain the quality of its search results. Uh, so therefore, it's not always perfect, but it is very good if you compare it to, say, I'm saying this before ChatGPT has been integrated, but we laugh about being um, just not being very accurate. And that's why it's not got this uh, reputation. So, yeah, I always say to people, if ever it's unclear, uh, especially my writers, if you've been given this topic and it doesn't, you don't know quite which way to take it. Put it into Google and the machine will tell you uh, which results have been getting the most engagement because you know, Google's working in all sorts of different ways when it ranks content. So it's looking at all the people who are making that search and what they're actually doing on the page. So Google will be basically constantly A-B testing with different results. So if there's a word or a phrase with a dual meaning, uh, probably try out both those meanings and then work out which one gets the better engagement that way. So, when you talk about is a phrase or a word better? If you're, you know, if someone's building their website, I'm building, you know, I'm, I'm redoing a website right now. Are phrases better as my, as my main um, keywords or is one, one word? Yeah, I would say that um, a phrase is a keyword basically. Um okay. I don't, I don't even like to use the term keywords because it is a bit simplistic like that. Um, I do think of it as search terms or search phrases. Uh, okay. Searches. Uh, I try to be quite clear in, in the book about that. Um, because, yeah, if you're typing in this uh, yeah, long question search and then you can provide the answer to that question, then that's really powerful. Um, but equally, uh, all these keyword tools try and condense all this data and say, uh, you know, there's 500 searches per month for public speaking coach, for example. Uh, but in reality, none of these databases are capable of tracking every all the different variations of, of that keyword that people are searching. So if you actually already have a website for getting traffic and you go into what's called Google Search Console, it's like the back-end access Google to your website, uh, you'll get all this data on all the different searches people have made. Uh, now, when you're optimizing, you can only really pick one of them. Uh, you're still ranked for the others by default because uh, someone who's trying to rank for public speaking coach will therefore also rank for how much is a public speaking coach, uh, where should I find a public speaking coach, who is the best public speaking coach. So I'll generally pick one of those. Um, but yeah, quite often the the answer, the one you want to optimize for, might not necessarily be public speaking coach because that might be people who are searching for jobs or how to become one as opposed to the sort of buyer intent, which is I want one. So 
yeah, there's, uh, quite often there is no perfect answer. Um, and yeah, you will have to accept some dilution there that um, you're casting your net wide and any sum of those will represent your perfect customers. But yeah, I always say when selecting keywords, when you're using one of these tools, you want to go for a mix of basically good volume, high commercial intent, uh, so high likelihood of actually wanting to buy, uh, and low competition. If you can get all of those as best you can, um, then that's your best bet. What is your favorite um, tool? Do you like Ahrefs? Do you like Ahrefs or um, Uber Suggest now is on the market these days? I guess it's already. Yeah, I still use um, Ahrefs all the time. Um, I think a lot of people are moving over to SEMrush, SEM, all these. <laughs> everyone has a different way of pronouncing these SEMrush, SEMrush. Um, I still like Ahrefs. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a huge difference uh, in the tools. They'll, yeah, they come and go in in fads basically. Semrush actually, it's quite interesting. Uh, I think they've phased out now, but they had a forty percent recurring affiliate program. So everyone was promoting SEMrush way back before it was actually the leading tool. Uh, everyone used to say Ahrefs was uh, much better, uh, but because everyone was, this is an interesting uh, thing of how Google works in terms of how language processing works. Again, just understanding the relationships between words because of the machine. Um, because every article was saying SEMrush is the best uh, keyword tool out there. Uh, therefore, Google's actually rewarding. If you then went and said Ahrefs is the best, then you're kind of out of kilter with how Google had interpreted that data. So that's that's basically why all these web pages look the same on Google. Not only because it's yeah the writers all basically semi plagiarizing each other, but <laughs> Google's actually got its understanding of uh, how the information structures work, how um, this concept of entities. Um, so yeah, wow. getting off topic, but that's very always very interesting. But yeah, uh, you notice that these all these articles have the same structure, and that's because basically we're educating Google on. Uh, information. So therefore, to rank on Google, you need to reflect the same information back to it. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's Ahrefs. Um, but yeah, I can't really comment further than that. But if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't. I only use it one month a year for a hundred dollars, <laughs> and then you can use it for the rest of the year because you can put in one one uh, website and it'll it'll check it for you for the whole year. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's pretty nice. But um, it's not something that I can afford all the time, but tell me more about, so for your book, what, what, why did you write it? Did you, it was because you had all these ideas and, and um, like, I want, you know, so many people want to write a book. I want to write a book. How did you, how did you get to that place where you were able to take all this information and go and be able to uh, get it so that it's understandable for all these coaches out there that sure need the SEO. I, I very much agree with you that we're all, <laughs> we could all utilize, uh, utilize your services. So how did you do that? Yeah, it's definitely not a, a grand work of literature. Uh, I still, there's still a big part of me that wants to be this literary figure, author, whatever. Uh, I insist that the paralever method is not part of that ambition. This is purely a, uh, a strategic business move where, and like I said, I was just saying, I noticed I was saying the same things, having the same conversations uh, with all these coaches. So like, fine, I'll just put into a book for you. I'll literally lay out all my recommendation because it's the same recommendations I'm making every time. Um, and in my mind, it's pretty simple. Uh, so if I can just lay it out in that framework. Uh, and of course, there's a commercial interest. If people then struggle with implementing that, then they can come back to me uh, where my agency can basically implement it for you. Um, but yeah, fundamentally, it's a very simple framework. Um, so it's actually at a mastermind that uh, I was motivated to write it. And someone said, how quickly do you think you can have it done? Um, so I thought, well, I've got this six-hour flight back to London uh, that night, so let's just uh, open a beer on the plane and start typing. Um, That's amazing. Good for you. That's so, great. Focus. Yes, yeah, so I still I didn't finish it uh, then, but I got about five thousand words in. Um, no, frankly, the problem now is I think it's still that um, emphasis on substance. And there's um, 
I'm still in the the final stages of it, but it's still not a particularly big word count, uh, which of course is totally fine. People prefer information rich as opposed to uh, being needlessly padded. But there is still that that pressure of uh, if people do get physical copies of it, then you want it to be reasonably substantial. Um, so you look at a lot of these business books for entrepreneurs. You know, there's lots of bullet points, all these methods of expanding it a bit. Um, so if it's too thin, people won't value it. Um, you've got to give the sense that the substance actually reflects in the physical mass of the book itself. Um, but no, the actual approach is really quite simple. It is just finding out what uh, your target audience is searching for. Uh, I think that's the biggest challenge we all have to overcome. I certainly did in the beginning, uh, going back to the Fortnite thing, where uh, I was probably writing something like top 10 top hats uh, or, I don't know, best steampunk boots in the early days of the website without realizing that barely anyone was actually searching for those. Uh, not realizing there's these other niches uh, from cosplay, things like that, which had huge volumes. So I think there's that danger in ignorance and that you think you think you know your audience and you start writing for them. Um, and sometimes you'll be right, but I think most of the time you'll be completely wrong. So this is a game changer when you realize there are tools out there that tell you exactly what people are searching for. And so you can tell what's got 10 times the volume uh, and often possibly less competition. You can be much more strategic that way. And then you've just got to write that content in the right way. So like I say, you there are tools that do this for you. You basically look at the top 10 results in Google for that search term and basically try and mirror it. So the headings, the views, the structure, the word count. Then we get on to actually pushing that uh, those articles up the search results, which is just the, the backlinks. And now that's the, the complex bit, because even top SEOs still struggle with link building. And now basically what it involves is reaching out to um, hundreds, typically thousands of websites. The conversion rate is really quite low. Uh, anyone who owns a blog nowadays has got these emails saying, you know, I will write a high quality guest post for you, etc. If you say yes, you then find it's not that relevant, not very well written. And then it's, you know, it's just a big time suck, basically. Um, so it is quite difficult to do. Uh, and in the first place, you need to basically try and scrape a list of websites to reach out to in the first place. So it's quite a long and technical process. Uh, I pushed off for years and then started it. Um, it was only a couple of years ago that I finally started it. And that's basically when I started the agency, when I realized uh, this is a very scalable process. It's intensive in order to basically reach out for one website. But as I then had a portfolio of websites, uh, I was then basically building these relationships with all these different webmasters. Uh, so it's almost like a PR network, if you like. So therefore, the recommendation in the book to coaches uh, is, yeah, try and reach out to all these other bloggers and website owners in your niche. Um, but equally, there's a very subtle call to action that we can assist you with that uh, if you struggle, because uh, it definitely is a grind. Um, got to be careful in terms of what I say, but um, there's always the issue over paid links. Lots of people think you should never pay for a backlink because Google says you shouldn't. Uh, in reality, everyone has to pay for backlinks these days. A few years ago, you could do some genuine outreach with guest posts, things like that. Uh, and yeah, you could get free backlinks. But these days, people know the value of those links. So I do know people who still do it entirely that way. Um, but it's very difficult to do at scale. So um, payment is one of uh, one method, but you've also got all these other methods of uh, different modes of exchange uh, in order to negotiate with the webmaster, whether it's social traffic or linking to them so they link to you. Um, I would not shy away from any of those tactics just because Google says you shouldn't. Because uh, as we know, Google says a lot of things that are actually very difficult to police. Uh, so ultimately, you do need to grow your backlink profile. Uh, otherwise, you won't rank. So, so can you get a backlink without knowing it? Oh, definitely. Um, I often get clients reaching out to me saying, you know, I've got all these spammy sites linking to me, um, whether it's um, almost like fake medium blogs or voucher code sites, things like that. 
Uh, you get some that come up over again that are just almost, I think they're basically just bots creating these little uh, links. Uh, I'm saying it's fine. Every website attracts these links over time. Um, also, people who are using uh, these automated, there are automated link building tools out there which will basically create fake blogs. Now, in that, they'll typically link, they'll link to their own sites to give themselves a backlink. But in order to disguise it and mix up a bit, they'll link out to other sites as well. So websites are linking to each other all the time, uh, quite naturally. That's one reason you don't need to worry too much. People always think you need these perfect links, otherwise you're going to get penalized by Google. In reality, every site out there uh, has got a whole basket of different links. Uh, some are good, some are bad. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a mess, but that's fine. It's natural. Huh. I didn't realize how important uh, backlinks were. I guess I've kn- I've known, but um, it does sound like quite a tedious uh, chore to get to get them without. Um, I guess you. That's why you'd hire someone like your 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 agency because it's that's definitely not something I have time for. I I could I could do a few, but those would be the organic ones that you know. Yeah, I, get, and like, I do well. No. <laughs> exactly. In an ideal world, we'd all write you know, the very best quality content we could uh, that ranks, gets visibility, and then other people naturally link to it. Uh, but that is a very slow process. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm always saying to people, yes, there's an expense involved with link building and a degree of risk. Uh, but I take both of those over sitting on the sidelines with a website that's not actually getting any traffic. Uh, <laughs> Whereas, yeah, you only need one or two pages to really push up to page one to totally transform your business. Wow, that's so very cool. I wanted to, you and I had talked about a question. One of my, we're we're almost out of time, so I just wanted to ask this. And I know you might not have thought about it, but in my opinion, I see SEO uh, as a as a way to I, I I equate that with how the body reacts to the world, and so like um, a website has good search engine optimization, so it's optimized to communicate. And how would you compare that to a human communicating? And um, any any insights on that on that conversation? There's definitely an element of sort of alignment and manifestation with it. I think um, yeah, I always say that. Um, again, the big problem I see with coaches is they're just not writing content. So, like I say, your public speaking coach, intuitive coach, whatever, uh, you've got your very nice, beautifully designed homepage. It's all about your brand, your personality. Um, but it's not saying, this is what I am, this is what I do, here are the services uh, I offer. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, I think it's much the same uh with the rest of our lives, you've got to show up in order to um, actually get where you want to be. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Hey, uh, anything else you want to share or where can we find your book? And I know all the links are down below, but just in case someone can't see the links, um, how can they find your book and how can they get a hold of you? If they want to hire you or ask you more questions. Yeah, very simple. So the book's at powerlevermethod.com. That's uh, all one word. You can also, yeah, if you Google me, stuartvickers.com, there's uh, information on how to reach me there. Um, no, in terms of any of those, just think about your last question, actually, I think there's just that sense that you know, we're always looking for answers and certainty. Uh, and so I think the aim with all this is just trying to become an authority. And that doesn't matter whether you're in person or on the internet, um, but you become an authority by fundamentally answering and the most questions in your niche in your field okay let me let me repeat that to you because that was very important to my little brain so you said so the most important thing to be is to be have to create authority whether it's online or in person and how you do that is by answering the most important questions the most of the most important questions that people are asking in my niche is that correct did i say it correctly yes i say it's qualitative as well as quantitative uh, though, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So not not eighty, but like you said, eight, but very very quality and right on point. That's way better than spending all that time on the eighty that might no one might rank or be looking for. 
So, Which is it's why people wonder, you know, is SEO dead? Is it a fad? But people always have questions. Um, and like I say, SEO can be applied. We talk about Google, but there's other engines out there, just like Amazon um, or uh, YouTube itself uh, as a search engine as well. Uh, even though it's owned by Google, it's got a slightly different, um, yeah, its own tricks in terms of ranking. So, yeah, people will always be looking for answers. So it's just a case of digging down and working out how these algorithms work. Uh, so that your answers uh, can reach them. You know anything about the Pinterest algorithm or not algorithm? The search engine, I mean, Pinterest. I don't. I know it used to be really good and powerful, and then it updated, and lots of people got very frustrated. Uh, <laughs> now I remember. I said that sounds very aged, but actually, it was only a couple of years ago. People were saying, you know, Google can update any time, so make sure you build a Pinterest following as well as a as a backup. Uh, and then since then, I've heard. Loads of people just got completely annihilated on Pinterest. Yeah, it's interesting. It's as if they were fighting, you know, Google and Pinterest. Uh, you know, who knows if that's true? But like one didn't like some. Well, Google, of course, is a uh, is is you know higher ranking in all respects. But Pinterest was doing really well and just kind of quietly having a huge uh, search engine. It's really fun for me. I mean, my daughter and I, I think we almost have a hundred thousand pins on our page. <laughs> it's so much fun. But it's all visual. It's all visual and um, not all. I mean, you can find really great recipes and really great places to stay, incredible craft ideas. It's a really fun place for the things that I like to do on my as hobbies. But I was just wondering if you knew um, anything. Is that a good place to rank? Um, is that is it the same type of thing where you just kind of find, you know, the best um, what your audience is looking for and then using those words? Same thing. Would you would you suggest? Yeah, I'm really not an expert, but every algorithm uh, is just an algorithm. It's been trained on uh, how to rank these things. So if you can just reverse engineer it, um, basically you don't have to. There's already going to be a huge number of people already doing that. Uh, just in the last few weeks, there was a major link uh, leak from Yandex, where basically the whole code for Yandex's ranking algorithm was released. So that's the Russian search engine, basically the equivalent of Google. Um, and actually employed a lot of ex-Google employees uh, to build it. So the SEO community has completely dived into it on the grounds that it's believed to be a very close mirror of Google's own algorithm. Wow, wow, the little spy stuff happening all around us. <laughs> uh, yeah, most of the time it's not even that difficult. It's simply work out what's working um, and break it down. Simple as that. I love that. Simplicity's best. Well, Stuart, it was great to have this talk with you. Thank you for being on my podcast and talking to our audience. And um, I will see you in Miami again. This is very exciting. And um, uh, and I have all of your links down below in the show notes. And I hope that um, if people need information about SEO or you, they will contact you. And thank you much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.